A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Today we have a guest that I'm very excited about. Uh, it's somebody who I've been friends with for a long time. Um, God, I guess almost eight years. I could be making that up since my New York days. And she was somebody who was introduced to me by another, I don't know, love of my life friend. Mm-hmm. And we just immediately kind of fell in friendship love. And she has always been very inspiring to me. She does so much amazing work, uh, bringing mindfulness uh, and meditation and movement and all the things that I love and Danae loves into corporate. And so when I met her, she actually, um, I was still in corporate and she had just Mm. left. And so I think for me, it was really profound because I was still in that space, but she has just like made it her life's mission to essentially bring the most like simple and yet most nourishing mindful experiences into places and to people that would just otherwise never have access to this stuff, which I think Mm. is just really powerful. Yeah. I feel like I've been hearing you talk about Jen for a lot of years since we met and just Mm -hmm. the work that you used to do with her with Mindfresh when you lived in New York. And she's one of those people that, you know, as we often say, speaks the language, you really like drop down immediately into that space with her of just like soulful conversations. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, we were talking for like five minutes and I felt just like so safe and just like, oh, like she feels like someone I've known a really, really long time. She's just got really beautiful energy. Yeah. And we talk a lot about in this episode, I think just what, um, what we can do in our day to day, I guess, to, to kind of embody or embrace some of these tools and skills that sometimes feel like something else to add to our to-do list. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that, um, for those of you listening, this is going to be really helpful. Um, I know it was helpful even for me as a reminder that, this kind of work, these kind of practices don't have to be another thing to get done, right? Like how do we weave it into our day-to-day and and feel the benefits from that? Yeah, like especially right now. And I feel like Mm -hmm. we had a lot of conversations around, you know, 2020 and all that is coming to the surface this year. And I think Jen gives some really tangible tools around like how to sort of step into these spaces in a way that feels accessible for everyone Mm -hmm. um, right now. Right. She's lovely. And I'm very excited to bring this conversation to you all. So I hope you enjoy. (laughs) 
Vanessa and I are so excited to have an old friend of these on the show today and someone I've been so excited to meet. Um, we have Jen Klukowski, who is the founder of MindFresh and is a New York City-based wife, mama, teacher, student, speaker, listener, mentor, consultant, and advocate for Earth. She's passionate about helping um, people and companies increase their awareness and positive impact while reshaping what leadership looks like and feels like. And she's also a believer that the era of hyper-specialization is over. I love that. Amen. <laughs> mm. Do it all. Yeah. Thanks Welcome. for being here. Yeah. So glad <laughs> to have you, having me. Oh, what a gift to spend time with you ladies. I'm so excited about this. So, you know, I could go into like our background and how we met, but, um, well, why don't I just do that first? So we met <laughs> in New York. Um, I was still in my corporate days, um, still a few years left actually before I actually transitioned now. And I was introduced to you and your old business partner, Choco, who's also lovely, uh, mm -hmm. through a mutual friend slash spiritual sister of mm -hmm. all of ours, Kristen Wise. If you're listening, we love you and miss you mm -hmm. dearly. So um, much. I know. And so she basically just said, Hey, I have these two women that are doing this thing that I feel like you just really get along with them. You know, if anything more than just meeting them, I think you guys would connect. And your guys's uh, workspace at the time happened to be two blocks away from my office. And I was like, Oh, that's a sign. Let me just yeah. book a pretend meeting on my calendar and then walk down there and take my own meeting. <laughs> And um, lo and behold, you guys were rad and we all clicked and uh, enter MindFresh into my life. And the rest of the time that I was in New York, you know, I worked with you guys doing MindFresh, which I'm going to have you explain, obviously. Um, and then even during my transition here out to LA and obviously working with you, but just considering you a friend along the way and mm. you've had a huge impact in so many people's lives in corporate and just bringing mm -hmm. mindfulness and self-awareness and compassion practices uh, into this crazy landscape that we have mm -hmm. called work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but with yeah. that said, let me turn it over to you. Um, I'd love to hear kind of like what MindFresh is, you know, tell, tell the listeners kind of like how you came to be in that place and all the things. Yeah. Well, Vanessa, I think that, you know, we connected and, and you and Chioko connected and we're connected to Kristen because we've all spent quite a number of years, more than we may care to admit, um, working within the, the corporate environment. And um, mm -hmm. we know how wonderful it can be and how many opportunities that it can present. Um, and, you know, there's great stability. There's so many wonderful things, connections, lifelong friends that come from working within those types of spaces. Um, but there's also incredible challenges uh, that come along too. And I think, you know, we definitely bonded over hitting burnout multiple different times through multiple different channels. Um, you know, what did that look like? What did that feel like? How did that show up in other areas of our life and other relationships? Um, and so that was something that brought Shioko and I together can we be part of the solution for this? Um, knowing what we know from having that direct experience um, and, and just feeling like not the best version of ourselves when we wake up every morning and just seeing that trickle into every area, every relationship, every interaction, and just feeling disappointed by it and feeling that there must be a better way. Um, mm. We thought one small step into being a solution could be to introduce mindfulness practices in office, like on site, people don't have to go outside of work. They don't have to Google around. Um, they don't have to look for centers or um, places that they might be intimidated by, but we can just come in and we can teach them how to reconnect with themselves. We can teach them how to breathe consciously. Um, we can teach them that it's okay to be feeling emotions like, you know, mm -hmm. anger and frustration and confusion along with, you know, the, the joy and the pride and like the good stuff that comes um, from doing a great job at work. Um, and just, you know, sort of introduce people to the concept of awareness. And um, even body awareness was a big part of, as you know, um, Vanessa, what we were trying to, to share with people. Um, can you be aware of what your body language is projecting when you walk in to have a meeting, whether it's internally or externally? And um, with this heightened awareness, maybe we can make this place a little bit better. Um, mm. We can amplify what it's already doing. And so that's sort of the, the seed for MindFresh and, and what we set out to do. That was the intention behind it. Um, and we ended up in a situation where we had 75 teachers, Vanessa being one of them, in 18 cities around the world, um, wow. done collectively almost um, at this point, I think we're creeping on 3,000 sessions for you know some of the most well-known companies out there. Now we've uh, definitely transitioned into doing more stuff virtually, of course, with COVID. Um, 
but you know, we're still, we're still out there just doing something so simple, which is inviting people to stop in the middle of their work day and just reconnect with themselves. Um, and, you know, I love it, Jen, because yeah. when I was, well, I think I was actually one of the first like six people that you, yeah. that you trained, right? And I think I like remember, three, the first yeah, three, three or four, yeah, maybe, been, there yeah. was like all of us, like in either your apartment or I think it was Joka's apartment, just hanging yeah. out eating snacks, right? And um, yeah. so Jen's also a yoga teacher um, for those listening. And so, and I, obviously I am as well. So is Danae and Danae also used to work in corporate. So there's a lot of kind of mm. connection there. She was in PR and so much of it was really taking yogic practices, but making them very kind of, you know, digestible, right? So mm. you didn't have to change out of your clothes, right? It's like, for me, the most exciting group that I worked with consistently was actually at a law firm, right? I mean, people were like in their fifties <laughs> and they were in like pencil skirts and they were like kind of, you know, older fuddy-duddy people like in, you know, on the East side. And I would come in and they would be so excited to take this 30 minutes they didn't have to take their suit jackets off, you know, and they just came mm -hmm. in and we would use grounding tools and movement that could be done in the chair and lavender oil and a little music and they loved it and they responded mm -hmm. to it so well. Um, yeah. And those were the most exciting ones, right? Because I mean, I did the L'Oreal one and I did like Google yeah. a couple times and those were always yeah. fun. But for me personally, it was like the older lawyer types, yeah. right? The New York kind of lawyer types. That the people you know who are never getting access to this yep. kind of stuff mm -hmm. on their own. Like they're, they've sort of passed the stage in life where they're super curious about things and looking for ways to develop themselves. I almost find, you know, and it's something I try to be aware of, like as we get older, you know, never lose that like curiosity. Um, because I do see, especially when you have more traditional organizations, those people are like, yeah, I know enough. I've got enough experience under my belt. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not interested in. Um, mm. But then when you have someone at a law firm that like, you know, really feels their pinky toe, like vividly for the first time through a mindfulness <laughs> exercise and their head explodes, you know, you can see yep. it. You can just like so palpably feel and see this like, you know, transformation that they're having, like really feeling their body for the first time. Um, yeah. That's like very, very special. Well, they'd and like float out of the room, you know, <laughs> and they would be like talking amongst themselves, giddy, like they were, you know, yeah. 20 again. It was amazing. Totally. Yeah, it's so cool. I love so much what you were saying about just bringing into the space of the workplace that it is okay to feel some of the emotions that are there anyway. Obviously, mm -hmm. as therapists, we love that so much. And I did a little bit of, um, you know, teaching some yoga classes in some corporate environments. And I think what's so powerful about this work that you do is that for so many people, their work environment is their community, right? Like these mm -hmm. are my friends, these are the people in my life. And yet, a lot of times I feel like all of the stuff that I'm going through, it's not really safe to sort of feel, to bring up because we have to sort of suppress that stuff because we're at work, right? Um, so how do we introduce that it's actually okay for us to be human and be in our workplace? I love that. Yeah. I feel like there's such an obvious shift happening where this is becoming, it's very gradual, it's very slow, but like a little bit more and more acceptable mm -hmm. to demonstrate emotions mm -hmm. based off of, you know, a scenario at work. I can remember so many moments, uh, especially early in my career, where someone was doing something that was bringing up, you know, I, I wanted to cry, honestly, mm -hmm. like in that moment. And I was like, oh my God, whatever you do, do not cry. Do not let them see a tear run down your face. Don't let that lip quiver, you know, right. and just you're trying so hard. And of course, when you try to suppress an emotion, it only gets worse. And then you end up sobbing mm -hmm. in front of them. But, you know, now I just feel like if that happens to me today in a scenario, whether it's work, professional or personal related, I'm like, no, I'm going to let them see me cry. I'm not mm -hmm. going to try to like suppress that this is my natural reaction and response to what's going on right now. Yeah. That's okay for, you know, for us to feel this way. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping that whoever's listening may, might feel empowered if, it, if, you know, something comes up at work and it's like super upsetting to you. Okay. You're human. Like let a tear drop down your face and don't go into a shame spiral afterwards for like five days. Or I love five that, years. Jen, because, you know, I think we still, reality is right. We still have a very kind of patriarchal system um, yes. that, you know, uh, it's kind of the basis for so much of our lives and especially work and corporate and the way that corporate runs and, you know, functions. And I think so much of this is women being afraid, right. To be viewed in certain ways. Right. Like, and I, at least for me, let me speak for myself. Yeah. But like I've had those exact same experiences. And so many times it was like, as a woman in this room, I cannot allow myself to be emotional. Yes. Right. Because if I'm showing emotion, I'll be looked at as emotional. I'll be looked at as hypersensitive. I'll be looked right. at, like, Oh, she can't be trusted. She's emotional. Yep. Right. 
And I think that a lot of that toxic, I don't know, toxicity maybe is hopefully it's not gone, but I I've seen it start to transition as people that are more our age are now taking executive roles. Mm -hmm. So maybe it is kind of like a, we're aging out of it. I'm not sure. What do you think about that? I hope so. (laughs) I hope that we're aging out of it. And I do, I have so much excitement and optimism around millennials, like stepping into the Mm -hmm. C-suite, Gen Z that's coming up because I think we see the power in our emotions. Like, you know, if we're triggered, I think, you know, hopefully we can do a lot of education around emotional intelligence and emotional awareness within the workplace. I think that should be like a fundamental training that, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone goes through. Um, but you know, if you have that awareness, like, look, you don't want to be totally jerked around by your emotions all the time. Um, but they're there for a reason, like they're a gift. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. supposed to like clue you into your, how you're being perceived, you know, how the effect that you're having on, on other people. Um, you know, I think most people wouldn't want to intentionally hurt somebody, but that happens all the time in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And if they like, and they don't know, so then they're just going to keep you know, responding and behaving in those ways until they see like, wow, that didn't make me feel good seeing this person get so upset by the way that I just spoke to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's only in that way that we can learn and adapt, right. And, and evolve and, and develop ourselves. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, if we can just see our emotions as a, as a huge asset, you know, of course, like within reason, right. We don't want to be like totally, again, just dragged around all over the place by, by, you know, whims. But um, I, I think if we can get to that place, then, you know, this is like a constant place of development and evolution that everyone is working on an individual and collective level. And, um, and that's when things get really exciting. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, you know, obviously, we're talking to you in the midst of, you know, 2020, this yeah. COVID moment that is sort Over of unprecedented. And yeah, an unprecedented year and so much of the way that people are working and um, what things look like has shifted. And so I feel really curious, um, certainly how that has shifted things for MindFresh, but also yeah. like what you think this time is going to do to us on a collective level in terms of um, how we're working and showing up for ourselves. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Cause it's super related to everything that we were, you know, just sort of exploring. I've had former colleagues of mine who manage large teams, you know, across the nation, sometimes across the globe, who never really showed any interest in the work that I was doing, Mm -hmm. reach out over the last couple of months and say, I'm aware that, you know, people are in fragile mental states right now with what's going on. Can we talk about on our next team meeting, which obviously will be virtual, having, you know, a mindfulness session for them, Mm -hmm. having a meditation, um, you know, talking about some things that we can all be doing, um, that might be helpful for us to navigate uh, these challenging times. So that has been like, you know, so wonderful to see people who have normally been very closed off to this stuff mm. are really starting to open up to it, become much more receptive. Um, and then, you know, as these experiences have been occurring and as they're seeing how helpful it is for people, mm. I just think that there's going to be more and more of this, um, you know, even after we get a vaccine, even as we go back into offices, I just think that there's been such a long period of time where we've been living in such a state of dis-ease mm-hmm. and discomfort um, that, you know, people have gotten used to being like, I'm not okay right now, or mm-hmm. hearing that from other people. Right. And I, I think it's becoming, you know, more acceptable. I think it's not something we have to hide anymore. And I think that's going to hopefully stay um, even after things sort of return back to normal. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, I I can't help but continuously be struck by the idea that something about this year has been, I don't know, a call for like our humanization or us like really getting to a point where we are honest with ourselves and with one another and certainly stop glorifying this productivity for the sake of productivity on top of productivity um, and that we are human and that we do need to allow for our humanity to be seen by those around us. Yes. Oh, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's something that we've been talking about, like, as we're doing work from home and so many people, as I do Q and A sessions and these virtual, like mindfulness practices, um, people are like, you know, I have three children at home. I feel like I'm a bad mother to them when I'm playing with them. I feel like I'm a bad employee when I'm playing with, you know, I just like, can't Mm -hmm. do anything right. And, um, 
you know, just giving ourselves permission to like, just show up however we can in each moment. And however that is, is, is okay. It's always the best that we can do. And mm. um, I think people have needed to hear that so badly right now. And I think managers are slowly starting to recognize like, you know, we can, we can give that to them. We can give that permission. Just show up as best as you can right now. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I've had, you know, so many of my clients obviously work within the corporate world and part of what they've been struggling with is um, I've heard from a few people actually that there's almost, they almost feel like there's more work now than yeah. there was before. And yeah. I don't know if that's just the nature of how they're working has shifted. So it feels, you know, I mean, we all know it's harder to like get people together. It's harder to get answers. It's harder, you know, when you're not yeah. in person or you can't yeah. just like walk to somebody's desk and say, Hey, look at this thing right before you go to your next meeting. Yeah. Um, so what I'm interested in is if you have this collective feeling of, I am really burnt out on Zoom. I'm really burnt out on sitting in front of a screen for 10 hours, right? Mm -hmm. um, and now my kids are doing the same thing. How do you think that we can come in, give people these tools, but have them be tools they don't then need to sit in front of a screen to do, right? Because obviously coming in and doing a mindfulness session, you're going to be doing it. Yeah virtually, yeah. you know, but is there a way, and I'm sure your answer is yes. And I'd like to hear you kind of expand on that, that you can give somebody these tidbits that then they can take away and not have to sit in front of their computer to do it or sit at all. Yeah. I mean, look, there's such importance in having a formal practice of some mm -hmm. kind. And often in our early stages, we need a guide. We need a teacher. We need someone literally taking us through a process of, okay, if I wanted to do some movement, can I get a yoga teacher to help me? If I want to do a meditation, I need a meditation teacher. Um, so it's, it's really nice that we have that readily available, whether it's an app or whether it's a Zoom call. But of course, yes, this is all involving screens. And sometimes we just need to literally cut ourselves off from mm -hmm. technology because that is truly the point of all of this is to, to just go within, right? And to not mm -hmm. have any outside distraction and even a guided meditation with the person on the other, you know, end of a screen is, is sort of an outside distraction sometimes. Um, so my thoughts have been, especially since I'm a new mom, Vanessa um, and Danae know that I, I have a 12-week-old at home. You know, I'm someone who's had a, a regular practice, a personal practice, and also a practice with teachers for, you know, going on 15, 16 years now. And having a newborn is so humbling because, mm -hmm. you know, for someone who considers themselves to be very spiritual and prioritizes their practice, like there would just be weeks that went by where I could not sit down for more than like a minute at a time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just becomes so clear that the point is not to have a sit or, you know, a movement session for X amount of minutes every day. That is not why we're doing this. The mm -hmm. point is to become love, to learn how to offer yourself love and to offer love to other people, to become more kind, to become more alert, to become more aware. So, you know, as I was going through this, this newborn phase again with my second child, again, having like gone through it the first time, I, I was a little bit, it was easier for me to have this insight. I'm like, the point is just for me to be loved. The point is for me to be mm -hmm. kind. And it does not involve me doing anything formally. So therefore I don't need guidance right now. I don't need to read a book. I don't need to listen to someone tell me what to do. I just need to like try to be a little bit more patient with my older son or, you know, be a little bit more loving to my husband right now. And that is a mindfulness practice. That is the point. Um, so I think as people struggle with, God, I really am burnt out from Zoom, but I feel like I should meditate today because I know mm -hmm. it will help me. Like, just try to do something loving towards yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And that might not be having like a 15, 20 minute meditation practice. Like, try to do something loving for someone else, like do an act of service. Um, that, that's the end goal right? Um, mm -hmm. Not like the actual practice itself. So maybe just giving people a little bit of freedom and, and choice to like be um, nimble with what quote practice looks like mm -hmm. um, these days in our COVID times. And if you need to not be guided, okay. Yeah, That's fine. Thank you for that. I actually just <laughs> felt my heart kind of right. a little bit because <laughs> as somebody who has a six month old, right? Yeah. And it's my first. I have done a lot of beating. I actually am getting emotional right now talking about it. Yeah. As somebody who has had such a formal practice, it's been really hard to, to feel like it's, I've lost it. Yeah. It's devastating. It's your identity, which is like a right. whole other yeah, layer. I'm crying about this. Like, that's a whole other <laughs> it touched a nerve. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, that's a whole nother thing, you know, as, as people who consider themselves to be, you know, on a spiritual path and, and using these practices of yoga and meditation, like we know we're not supposed to get all entangled in labels and, you know, different aspects of our personality. We know that we're something much more than that. And there's something beyond it. Yet we watch when like a certain label gets taken away from us being, you know, a regular practitioner, um, what that does. I mean, it completely mm -hmm. like throws us all off balance and out of whack. Um, and so, yeah, I had that experience the first time around with my, when I had my, my first son and it took me a lot of like, you know, looking at myself, looking at the situation, um, dissecting it and dissecting it and contemplating it before I came to that insight this time around. Like mm. the, I don't, I don't practice to be like, telling myself like I had a 20 minute meditation for 20 today. Minutes, yeah. yeah. Like that doesn't, that's not why we do it. But for some reason we forget that even though we may have done it for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And we think that if we're not on a mat, um, you know, doing a, a really rigorous practice or, you know, it's, that's, that's not why, why we've, we've been doing this and why we, we teach it to other people. Um, and so, yeah, just give yourself permission to like, not have a formal practice maybe like you know in covid whatever your situation is whether you're a new mom or not like if you meditated regularly like you may take a whole year off and that doesn't make take you off of the path though mm. just like means your practice had to go on hiatus for a little bit because of life circumstances and that's totally okay mm. i'm telling this to myself right now <laughs> <laughs> you're telling it to me as i'm wiping my nose and you're telling it to yourself <laughs> And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and to, to your point, it's like when we know and we understand this stuff and here we are teaching it to other people, right? It's like, I say so much to clients and in classes that I teach that the point of it is for it to become woven in through your life, right? Yeah. Um, the point of it is not to sit in Lotus on a pillow, like a little Buddha, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, Thich Nhat Hanh and so many amazing teachers always say, you know, sweep, sweeping the floor is meditation right? Mm -hmm. Drinking your tea is meditation, as long as that's how you're doing it. And so, you know, this idea of doing things lovingly or with compassion, or, you know, for me, it was like, I had this moment when she was seven weeks old, where we were taking a walk and seven weeks, right? So she's like staring wide at it, every color and every leaf that passes her. And I remember stopping and going, oh, we're meditating right now. That's what we're yes. doing. And so yes. me staring at the trees with her, me inspecting the flowers with her, me feeling the breeze with her, all of a sudden I thought, oh, right, I am meditating, right? And so I, chill I think that body. that can also be, you know, hopefully something that people can take from this is like, you know, if you are one of those like us who has a practice yeah. that maybe you feel like has slipped, you know, you're hardcore about your fitness, you're hardcore about your yeah. yoga, whatever, how can you integrate it in smaller ways um, throughout your life, right? Yeah. I mean, what I, you mentioned fitness, like, you know, I think it all drills down to like, what is the intention? Why do I do whatever it is I do. And it's usually to, because I know it makes me a better person. I know that, you know, it makes me feel better. And if I feel better, like taking it even one step further back, if I feel better, then I operate better in the right. world. Um, and I think that, you know, the essence of it, we all just want to operate as best we can in the world. So, you know, just find little ways to do that. Um, and we have to be creative right now. We have to be adaptive. Um, and yeah, it's, that's our practice right now. <laughs> Yeah. I love so much what you're saying because it does feel like it brings us back to the point of the work that we do, the inner work that we do. And I feel like Vanessa and I have talked so much throughout this year of how much, um, you know, this time of quarantine and everything that's happened, like not just throughout um, this global pandemic, but like on a social justice level, like so many things that have come to sort of um, humble us and mm -hmm. make us aware of what we're doing that maybe we want to slow down and like really be mindful with and sort of be the witness of our experience. And I think, you know, what I hear in what you're saying is a little bit, the work in that is am I meeting whatever this is with fear or love, right? Mm -hmm. Am I meeting myself as a new mother with um, so much compassion and so much understanding around the difficulty of this, or am I, or am I stuck in that space of fear? And certainly yeah. I have so many clients speaking to what you were saying, V, about like the workload feels heavier. And I'm afraid that if I don't sort of stay on top of it, or if I speak to the fact that I can't juggle all this and I'm overwhelmed and drowning, I may get fired, right? Like, mm -hmm. am I meeting that with fear or love, right? Or, if I have a conversation about something in terms of all that's happening with 
um, social justice. If I say it wrong, then, you know, yeah. am I going to be a horrible, like all of these moments, yeah. it's like, can I meet whatever this is with love? Right. And mm. that I think is why we do yoga. That is why we do these practices yes. of mindfulness. Right. Nailed it. Mm. So well said. So, so well said. Thank you for that. Um, I was just like affirming everything as you mm -hmm. were, as you were speaking it word by word. And it's, it also brought up, um, I was watching a video, which another thing I'm, I'm doing lately, I, I go on YouTube sometimes at three in the morning when I'm feeding my baby and I'll just pull up like a spiritual talk. Uh, cause you know, it's like <laughs> the only sustenance I'm getting. <laughs> um, so there's this, motherhood, yes. <laughs> there's this amazing teacher. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of her. Her name is Gangaji. Um, mm. She's a, a teacher in sort of the non-dual tradition. It's self-inquiry. And it's very satsang style or sangha style in the way that, you know, she invites someone to come up and they just get to ask her a question and then she'll, mm -hmm. she'll respond as best she can to it. Um, and so she had this uh, person come up and he said, I just feel the world is in such a sad, terrible state right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a healer. I'm someone who's trying to constantly do what I can uh, in small and big ways to just improve the environment around me. And I feel like nothing I do is getting through. I talked to so many other healers and sort of collectively, we're just feeling like we're trying so hard. And yet mm -hmm. the state of affairs is just like declining and declining. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, this makes me feel so sad and defeated and just like, you know, like hopeless. Mm -hmm. And she was like, without the narrative, mm -hmm. are those feelings still there? Mm -hmm. And that like blew my mind because it just brought up how many narratives that I have just today in this moment going through my mind. I'm a failure at this and that's making me feel behind, you know, I'm not doing this right. And if I can take away the narrative and just sort of look at things very objectively, mm. like this is what's going on, it, I realized like there were no feelings there that like mm -hmm. previously were. Um, so I've been in a place where I start feeling like fear or, you know, anger or resentment or, you know, insert whatever, um, you know emotion that I would like to not be feeling for so long. I'll, I'll try to like, look at what the narrative is there. What's my story. Mm -hmm. um, and then if I just sort of say, okay, that's my story. I see that now, but like, what's the situation as objectively as I possibly can, mm -hmm. like just see it or state it. And then I, I do, I am realizing there's like a softening there for that feeling. Like when the narrative goes away, I'm not as attached to the, the fear or the anger. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love Absolutely. it. Yeah. Renee Brown says something similar. She always says, the story I'm telling myself is. Yeah. She says to interject when you're feeling that way and say, and, and even say it to your partner or say it to your friend or whatever and say, the story I'm telling myself is. Because if you can look at it as a narrative like that, right? Yeah. And the other person or even your other part of yourself can say, oh, that's the story you're telling yourself, but actually here's what's really happening. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's the objective side. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like with COVID, you know, the, one of the reasons I'm sharing it is like, I've had so many narratives, like, you know, just, uh, I'll never feel like, you know, okay again. Um, mm. You know, this is just going to keep going on indefinitely. Like who knows when the end is, you know, going to actually come around and like, therefore I'm just feeling depressed and low and I'll never see my friends and I'll never mm. feel like human connection the way that I did. And then, you know, just sort of stripping that all away, like that is the story that I'm telling myself. And, you know, the, the real story, the real situation is I talked to two of my friends today and had wonderful conversations. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's what's real. Um, and as soon as I have that like reckoning, um, things shift for me emotionally. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. yeah the, the, the suffering isn't actually the experience that I'm in. It's the, the narrative around it, right? So the story yeah. I'm telling is actually where the suffering is coming from. But in this moment, I'm actually okay. Mm -hmm. like right now, you know, things yeah. are okay. I love that. I actually, I wrote an article that I called, um, Can There Be Pain Without Suffering? And it was similar to that, right? Which is, you know, in, in, in the Buddhist philosophy, which is yeah. pain is there. The suffering is actually something we, we bring onto ourselves, right? Yeah. It's optional. Yeah. Um, and the suffering comes to the narrative. Mm. I love this conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
You know, it's interesting too, because what came up for me when you were saying that um, the guy on, on the talk was a healer and he was saying, you know, so many of us are feeling this way. For some reason, what bubbled up for me was when we were in school um, to be therapists, you know, we were told over and over again, never work harder than your clients. Mm-hmm. And for some reason wow. that came up. I'm not really sure why, other than the fact that you said he was a healer. And I also thought to myself, um, for me, I can definitely see myself connecting to his narrative and feeling very much like I see all this suffering and I'm trying so hard. And when I, when I can recognize that I'm doing this thing where I'm trying so hard and I'm trying so hard, can I step back and say, am I trying not too hard, but am I doing more work um, mm. than the other person than uh, I, I can do, right? Like, um, what is my place in this work? And am I trying to extend myself too far? Am I trying to maybe get out of, I'm not staying in my lane even. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and when you're not staying in your lane, talk about burnout, right? Yeah. You are less effective I think as a healer, and we can use that term broadly, um, when you're trying to do too much for too many people in too many ways. And so I think it's really important for us to remember that, right? Oh, that was so good to hear. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, I I struggle with that all the time, like overextending myself and the intentions are always really great. I think, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. when I look at it at at the surface level, I just think I can be helpful and I want to be helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. If I do a little bit more right now, that might like, you know, expedite things, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Um, And this is like my own personal work that I've been doing in this regard. And maybe it will help others um, if they struggle with something similar. Like a lot of it comes from, I've discovered uh, like a self-worth issue. Mm -hmm. Like I constantly have to be proving myself. Um, even to people who I know really, really well, and I know love me sometimes even unconditionally, I just like want to keep showing them, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how helpful I can be, um, you know, how, how great I am, I guess, even in some ways, like there's just a a need to constantly keep showing myself and showing them that like, look at all the things I can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've had to ask myself, like, like, why? I just, is this really even helping them sometimes? Or is it really something that I'm just doing to like make myself feel often like, oh, Jen, look at all the, the like big things that you're doing. Or, or look at like, you know, how you showed up for that person. And sometimes that is so needed and, you know, mm-hmm. people need you to show up for them and do that, take that extra step, go that extra mile. Um, so I'm not saying that that's not, you know, appropriate sometimes, but if you do find yourself in a state of exhaustion, um, burnout, you know, it is something to look at if you're just always that person who's just going above and beyond, like, why? Mm-hmm. Um, talk about is that it like something inside of you? Yeah. Like, is it something inside of you that just the little, you guys aren't seeing my hand motions, but I'm making the little tiny fingers <laughs> gesture. Like there's a little bit of codependency in that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talk a lot about that with clients and in the classes that I teach around codependency. Right. It's like, yeah, sometimes we're not doing it for them. We're actually doing it for us. And that's when we have to stop and question it, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's not to say like, I would actually say that research shows that in most healing and helping professions, codependents abound, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, most therapists, most nurses, most all doctors, well, maybe not doctors, but there's a lot of people that struggle with codependent behaviors that that show up in there. So, so it's a wonderful thing because in many ways it makes us want to help. Right. And it makes us Mm -hmm. um, more empathetic and it makes us all these things. And it can be, I, I always use this term, it can either be your superpower or your kryptonite, depending mm. on how well you understand it and how much it controls you or you control it. So if you find yourself teetering on that line and you feel like you're burning out and you're overextending yourself, mm-hmm. you know you've tipped over into the kryptonite land, into the zone, right? And, and you need mm-hmm. to question it. Okay, I'm getting burned down or I'm feeling resentful, right? Like resentment is our flag. Stop, pause, mm-hmm. what's going on? Who am I doing yeah. this for? right? What's the motivation behind it? Um, and back up a little bit. Yeah. And isn't it fascinating how, when you are doing that, like, you know, contemplation almost always, it's like, yeah, it's not really about the other person. I just like find that so mind blowing because it's so like beneath the, like the consciousness, like it's totally subconscious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think as we're doing that questioning, it's also mm-hmm. helpful to sort of ask ourselves what we are sort of taking away from that other person. Like we are mm-hmm. sort of 
holding them back from stepping into their power or learning the skill set that they might in this struggle, right? Like if we hold that each of us are on our own journey, learning the things that we need to learn, struggling through the things that we need to struggle through, when we sort of do their work for them and pick up the slack, then we are sort of robbing them sometimes of opportunities to learn Mm. the things that they need to learn. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) My own little reminder for myself. (laughs) Yes, full-bodied yes to what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) And such like, I mean, we're we're three mamas talking about, I mean, but God, when you have your kids, is this like the work to allow them sometimes to feel a fair amount of suffering and that yes I can be here with you holding space for this but I if I always run in and fix it sometimes I am sort of robbing you of these opportunities to grow yes this is the conversation I was just having about my kid with with my my quote-unquote mother-in-law right it's like and she doesn't I mean she's old school and there's a language barrier and she'll never be able to have these kind of conversations with me but I'm like leave her alone she can figure it out she's okay she's fine she doesn't need you to constantly rescue her and I'm already seeing it at six months old and I'm like oh god what is it gonna look like when she's six you know um but but that's like a new style of parenting that just, you know, there's like yeah. a generational difference, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, totally. we were taught how to live like very directed, like this is what you do. This is what you don't do. Mm-hmm. And because I said so, no real like Period. logic right. or explanation <laughs> behind it was required by the parents. It's like literally just because I said so, that's it. It's all you <laughs> need to know. Yeah. And, you know, I even see that a lot as I look at leadership trainings, like within mm-hmm. the corporate space, it's like, this is what you do. This is what you don't do because I said so. Mm-hmm. Because one, so on one study, you know, like, you know, 20 years ago, done yep. at Stanford said this, and that's what we've been teaching for the last 20 years. And we'll teach it for the next 20. Um, you know, there's just so many like opportunities for us to recognize like the old systems should be dismantling right now. We're seeing a lot of it happening, um, even though we don't want some of these systems to dismantle, but like, they're just all dissolving. And it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. as we're parenting in this way where it's like, let them learn it for themselves. Let Mm -hmm. them like, you know, have a moment of like, screwing up or injuring themselves sometimes to realize like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Like, versus just telling them don't do that. Like, this is, you know, sort of, it's not revolutionary, but it kind of is in terms mm-hmm. of like, it's a new system that's evolving. Um, and I think, you know, as I look at the, the leadership landscape and, you know, organizational development and people development, like, you know, I think we need to stop. I love what you guys do because it's all about just asking questions and like mm-hmm. diving deeper and getting people to sort of go within and like look at things more closely and listen to themselves more deeply. And then it's something that they discover on their own. You didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. don't or break up just with your so much more powerful. or yeah. yeah yeah like you know right. any therapist or like you know any person could be like yeah break up with your boyfriend but like you know actually going through the process with someone of like well what's happening and how is this making you feel and why are you doing this I mean that's like real work but it it gets them to that that conclusion on their own and then it's right. like behavior that won't be replicated I'm telling you guys what you know but like you know I just I I see it in parenting. I see it in management styles. I just, yeah, I see the opportunity for this to extend into so many different um, facets of our lives. And Mm. um, yeah, it's like a new, new systems are emerging and Mm -hmm. I hope they, there's some stickiness there. Yeah. There's just so many aspects of what you just said that I just felt so viscerally of like, yes, there are things that we needed to feel like we could have the intellectual understanding of we are not our jobs. We are not what we do. But until some of those things were literally stripped away from us, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so now who am I without this job then really, right? Like now I have the felt sense of it. And when I sort of come back into this understanding of the truth of who I am that can't be taken away from me like that is a knowing that I have forever now um yeah yeah, you just really brought that home for me I mean yeah the whole like it's so sort of cliche but it's so appropriate here like you know give a man a fish you feed him for a day Mm -hmm. you know teach him how to fish you feed him for a lifetime and I I think that's what Mm -hmm. you guys are you're doing and that's you know what I'm trying to do and 
Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's what the world needs now. And I think finally the world is ready for it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when yeah. you say that too, there's a little part of me that feels like, so when I talk to people within the codependency landscape, I always say like, mm-hmm. you're doing the work, you're getting better for yourself. Right. And, and mm-hmm. research shows, like, let's say it's somebody who's in relationship with an addiction, uh, somebody with an addiction. And I always say the research shows actually that when the codependent gets better, the likelihood that the addict will get better increases, but you're not doing it for that reason, right? That's just like a byproduct of it. And when I'm thinking to myself, cause I laugh and I say to people, you probably won't reap those benefits. Like you're not going to be the one in the relationship. Unfortunately, it might be three girlfriends from now. <laughs> that, that girlfriend gets to reap your, what you sow, mm-hmm. right? And we kind of have a laugh over it, but it's true. And I'm thinking about corporate and all the shit that I dealt with being in this world that you and I, you know, and Danae are in where we're trying, my old partner, my old creative partner, Janine and I is like, we, we were all speaking this language and we're, we're all trying so hard to like embody this and bring this into work and, you know, set time for ourselves and take care of ourselves. And I would set boundaries and, and I just got steamrolled so many times over and over and over. And I finally said, fuck it. And I left and I was fried. Right. And now I'm watching it happen. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm literally on the receiving end of like the attic that's getting better two girlfriends from now. And I'm like, why couldn't you have gotten better when I was with you? You you set the stage for that, Vanessa. You totally did. (laughs) I have no doubt that ad agency was like, remember Vanessa? She's telling us this like five years ago. Yeah, I have Mm. no doubt that's coming. Like, why couldn't you have gotten better when I was with you? You know? Yeah, ahead of our time a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I'm so excited because seriously, there was so much lip service for Mm -hmm. so long from organizations like we care about our people. Mm -hmm. Um, But then yeah, you actually take the time to talk to some of them about how they're doing how they're feeling and they're just all fried, you know, as you said, so now um, it seems that we, you know, it seems like we're on a path towards actually really doing something about it. And, you know, you mentioned patriarchy before, like, you know, within the corporate system, like the hierarchy is real. Um, it's all about competition. It's mm-hmm. about like stepping on whoever you need to in order to get to the top. Um, it's definitely, you know, Danae, you mentioned overproduction. It's like, no one stops to question, like, is this necessary work mm-hmm. to put into the world or a necessary product to put into the world? It's just like, well, we could, and we could make money from it. Therefore we will. And now I think there's just like, you know, this feminine, quality um, and energy Mm. that, you know, is sort of organically arising. And I think it's definitely like embedded into the DNA of those Mm. of us who are, who are a little bit, you know, younger. And as we start getting into more positions of leadership, I think we're going to see a lot, I hope a lot of companies saying like, you know, shareholders, like, we're just, we're not going to like, just keep going on a path of profitability Mm -hmm. just for the sake of, you know, like, that's what we've always done. Like, we're going to really start reviewing what we're putting out into the world. And, you know, is this important? Is this necessary? Are we doing it in the right ways? Um, And who are the people that are building these products? Are we taking care of them? Are we creating like an ecosystem here? Um, I I think this whole like hierarchy thing in companies of the future, I hope is going to start to like dissolve more and more. And we're just going to see like, just more and more respect, collaboration. You're 23. I'm 53, like we could learn things from each other. Like let's, you know, sort of create like a symbiotic space where it just feels like everyone has wisdom here. Everyone has knowledge. And um, this is about collaboration, not competition. Um, But this is all like, you know, feminine energy stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, it was not going to fly even like, you know, five years ago, three years ago. But I think it has a chance to fly like as we start rebuilding companies. and they're all being rebuilt right now. They're going to have to be rebuilt. Yeah. So I don't know. It still definitely seems a little bit utopian, like as I talk about it, but like, I just, you know, this could take generations. This could take, but like, I, I just think that we're, we're moving in that direction. And I think it took literally the world grinding to a halt in order um, for that to be possible. But I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. We're in a landscape right now though, where actually we have what almost really close to having four generations of people all working in corporate together, right? Because Gen Z is about 20-ish now. So let's say Mm -hmm. another two-ish years, they get out of college, 23-ish. You'll still have some boomers, right? That haven't yet retired. And you're going to have four generations all under the same roof, all under the same company. And when I was there, Gen Z obviously was nowhere to be found. I'm technically a millennial, but like older. 
So there was really only two or three of us and there was a lot of fighting amongst us, yep. right? And, and it was like these damn young millennials, like they don't know what they're doing. And I mean, so entitled. Yeah, so entitled, you know, they think they know everything. Um, but I think what you said is interesting. Like we actually can all learn from each other. If, if we see, if we take ego out of it and we actually sit with what do you have what's your inner knowing? What's the wisdom that you bring and vice versa? Um, I think in general, it could be so much more of a harmonious working relationship or, or environment. Yeah. I would love to see like, you know, just bird's eye view or like, you know, sort of come across, you know, someone who's older within a company being taught how to use TikTok by like, you know, the entry level person. And then, you know, as an exchange of mentorship, um, you know, the older person is like, let me tell you a thing about, you know, presenting and, you know, just like we can all learn stuff from each other. And I just think, you know, in previous times, the youth or the younger, you know, crowd within offices have been so discounted and they've had to like you know sort of develop a chip on their shoulder because and you know act entitled often Mm -hmm. I think because it was like well if no one's giving you like floor time or you know air time to like talk about your ideas and you have to sort of just like do stuff and you know (laughs) act sort of like an ass um in order to like be seen so Mm -hmm. you know maybe if we we created an environment where I was just like you know this is a true community and each Mm -hmm. person here is important um you know it doesn't matter if you're you're doing work that like is a little bit more entry level or you're doing senior work like it all um it all is important to get us to where we need to go so yeah we'll 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 see (laughs) it does feel like the universe has sort of created that environment in a way like we have been in this space at least for a while now of this great equalizer like i've heard so many of my clients sort of speak to it is so strange watching my ceo you know like fumble yeah. a bit because all of a sudden their kid is like running the room or their yeah. wife's interrupting yes. the meeting and like they're like oh my gosh it's like fascinating to see them as a person or people yeah. who like have never had to be on a zoom call who are like needing some support and you know <laughs> that now I am with someone who is older and wiser and has some things to share me and we're not so like in that hierarchy that you're speaking of like I think it's been powerful how the universe has at least during this time delivered that and we don't know when this is going to be over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has long lasting oh. effects, right? Yeah, hopefully. hopefully. Yeah, I think what you're describing is like for the first time within some of these companies and for some of these people, like we're getting to see the whole person. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we only saw like you know the very polished, poised, tweeted pants version of them. And now it's like exactly to your point, like, no, life is messy for every single human on this planet. Um, right. And I think it's so important for people who are more senior and it's so important for people who are more junior just to be like, we're literally like just different flavor of, you know, like struggle, but it's mm-hmm. all like, it's all the same. And I think as we think about, you know, the future of work and that landscape, I, I think it needs to be more like bring your whole self to work kind of thing. And that's definitely like a phrase I've heard over and over and I've heard people advocate for it and I've heard people really challenge it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just think this idea of like, I'm, showing up within these walls and you're only seeing this small tiny piece of me um I just don't I think that's a recipe for burnout because it's like you're putting on a mask every day you're just Mm -hmm. like you know you're just you're not being yourself and um and I think also when you're doing that you're doing a disservice to the people that you work with and the work that you do because it's like I don't know like a a fake persona how great can that how great can, can that be but if you were like actually just your whole self. Um, I think there's so much more value there. And so, yeah, I I think that Mm. the great equalizer kind of concept is really going to be like, I hope, um, like a, some, a transition that, that hopefully like stays that, that we just keep that. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, I love that you were such a, you know, ahead of the times on this sort of, you know, movement towards a more conscious, more compassionate and um, whole workspace. So thank you for, for doing what you do and also um, continuing to hold space for people as they're attempting to navigate these times. I think it's really important work. Yeah, I'm attempting to navigate too. So, right. Thank you guys for holding that space for me today. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, none of us have it figured out. None of us have our shit together. You know, the best we can do is just come together and support each other while we're trying to figure yeah. it out. And yeah. 
I think that's like the here, here. thing that you can do, whether you're a therapist, whether you're a yoga teacher, whether you're mindful, it doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just holding space is God, just the most important thing. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I have to say one more thing that was like, so related to that. Um, I had, I was like really upset. I hit a wall like a couple weeks ago, definitely postpartum depression, like full swing mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, a loving person in my life tried to give me some advice and I was just like, it's not that you're, there's anything wrong with your advice. Like, it's probably helpful and I need to hear it. But like, the time not for right. this advice <laughs> is not right now. What I need right now is for you just to hold the space of like letting me sort of unravel, letting me sob, letting yes. me feel the feels and yes. not try to tell me how to make it better or to stop it or to, you know, but like, and there will be a time when that is appropriate. But right now, I just need you to hold the space and like, just listen and like be here. And I feel like that's sort of collectively, you know, what everyone needs right now. Like in, in different moments, we're all going to be ready for that advice or the next steps to like, you know, get to the next destination. But sometimes right now, like we just need the space held, as you said. Mm-hmm. So. Just shut up and listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have some very um, deep questions that we like to ask at the very end of our interviews. Um, So some are fun and some are a little bit more, you know, serious. So uh, the first question that we like to ask everybody is what breaks your heart? Mm, So many things. (laughs) What breaks my heart? Um, Yeah, let's see. Yeah, I guess just seeing like, a lot of what's happening, like the the inequality in the world, like the injustice in the world. Um, and now we don't have to even like look for that. It's just mm-hmm. like in our face over and over every single day, which is so important. Um, you know, my eyes have been opened to so many new things that I, you know, I thought it was sort of woke a little bit before, but now I'm just like, holy shit. Um, and yeah, so I just, I see what's happening, you know, with racial justice and, and all of those systems. I see what's happening, you know, as there's like, you know, wealth inequality right now, like just becoming Mm. even, you know, more of an issue that breaks my heart. Mm. I I don't even pretend to have an answer or a solution for what the right systems are, but it just, I, you know, on a daily basis, my heart gets sort of broken just watching the news and and seeing what's happening. Mm. Jen, what's a flow state for you? So just the thing that you could spend an entire day doing completely get lost in that, you just love more than anything? Mm, I mean, I would say like it's a location, Uh, just Mm -hmm. being near water of any kind, whether Mm -hmm. it's like a lake or a river or an ocean. Um, And maybe it's because you use the word flow that that was sort of the thing that sort of instinctively came to Mm me. But, you know, whenever I'm around water, there's just um, like a piece that sort of overcomes me and um, when I'm peaceful, as you guys know, like when you're in that more peaceful state, then like creativity sparks, inspiration mm-hmm. occurs, um, insight happens. Uh, so I, I, I love those types of states. So mm-hmm. I find that they often happen near water for me. So that's my mm-hmm. flow state. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then a very um, serious question. What is your favorite mm-hmm. food? Mm-hmm. <laughs> also a hard question. Pizza. <laughs> Pizza. <Hey. laughs> Pizza. He's an ice cream worker. (laughs) My kind of woman. I love Uh it. (laughs) Yeah. Was I supposed to say green juice or like, yeah. (laughs) Not to me. You were supposed to say pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Beets. My six month old knows beets. She probably answered that. That's her favorite. Um, Well, Jen, where can people find you? So if they want to look up MindFresh and all the things that you do, um, let them know. Yeah, sure. So um, MindFresh, we have teachers again, you know, in a lot of the major cities out there. But now since we're doing all of this virtually, um, we can come to you from anywhere. So mindfresh.co.co. Um, and then my website is jenclu.co, um, J-E-N-K-L-U. And I also do speaking and, you know, more in-depth workshops and um, keynote talks. So if that's something of interest. You can find me there. Well, just such a joy to get to meet you and talk with you, Jen. And um, again, thanks for the work you're doing in the world. You guys are amazing. I am inspired. 
So. Big love fest happening right now. <laughs> Go kiss that new baby for us. Will do. Same to you, ladies. All um, right. We'll see you soon. Take All care. right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.